0: Today's episode is disturbing, as I feel they all are, but this one especially, so please listen with care. Before I get started today, I wanted to thank you guys for downloading this episode, thank you for the new reviews that came through, and thank you to those who have supported monetarily to this project that I call Those Murder Girls Podcasts. My newest Patreons are Jill W., Michael R., and Wendy W. Thank you so much for joining me on Patreon. You guys are so amazing. There are plenty of ways that you can support the show, and I thank you for choosing Patreon as one of them. First and foremost, share this episode with your true crime-obsessed friends. Leaving reviews is another way that you can support. Even if you have already, you can leave a review on a different platform. And of course, you can always be like Jill, Michael, and Wendy and join me on Patreon or buymeacoffee.com or you can make a one-time donation via PayPal using the email address murdergirls at thosemurdergirlspodcasts.com. Every single monthly contribution or one-time contribution is beyond appreciated, you guys. Thank you so much. So secondly, I wanted to say, don't forget, send me your true crime related stories. The authorities didn't have to be involved. I actually don't even care if it's really like true crimey crime, even if it's just this insane or crazy story of something that happened to you, someone you know, or that happened in your hometown. We want to hear it. Submissions can be made at thosemurdergirlspodcast.com by DMing me on Facebook or Instagram or by emailing your stories in to murdergirls at thosemurdergirlspodcast.com. So let's get those in so I can put an episode together to share these wild stories of things that happened to you that maybe otherwise wouldn't leave your friends circle. Like we need to get these stories out there. Everybody loves a good WTF story, including myself. So I'm super excited for the new segment. Okay, so today's case, let's get started with it. Born in 1966 in Soviet Russia, Anatoly Moskvin grew up a socially awkward loner who was brilliant but struggled in school. He was the only child to his parents, Elvia and Yuri. Anatoly would experience two life-altering events when he was super young that I would say definitely had a big part of shaping his life into adulthood. The first event would come when he was about 11 years old. He was walking home from school one day, he was alone, when he was sexually assaulted by an unknown man, leaving his body battered and bruised. The second incident also came when he was walking alone. He came across a group of men who were dressed in dark clothing who were heading to the funeral of a local girl who had passed away suddenly. Strangely, the men invited Anatoly along with them. Why he followed them, I have no idea, but he did. Anatoly would find himself among the grieving at this little girl's funeral. At one point during the funeral, Anatoly was asked to go to the coffin and kiss the little deceased girl as she lay there. He declined the offer, obviously freaked out, but before he could get away, he was seemingly forced to kiss the girl on her forehead by the little girl's mother, who offered Anatoly fruit, candy, and money if he just did what the mother asked. Enticed by the money, because he didn't have a lot of it, and also fearful of what would happen if he didn't do as he was told, Anatoly slowly approached the little girl's coffin and did as he was asked to do, not once, not twice, But three times he kissed the little girl on her cold forehead. The little girl's parents watched and wept in the distance. The mother slowly made her way, approaching Anatoly. As he stood near the coffin, she handed him a ring, asking him to place the ring on her daughter's finger. This would be a symbol of marriage between him and the dead little girl. She wore a matching ring. Once the ring was placed on her finger, the mother declared the boy married to her daughter. Confused by what he had just done, he stood there, trying to wrap his head around what just happened. Anatoly would later say in an interview that experiencing necrophilia brought out this belief in magic from inside of him and a profound interest in cemeteries into the dead. And it probably didn't help that around this time, it was regular for Anatoly's parents to take him on walks through cemeteries. Anatoly would claim to be visited by his child bride in his dreams, causing him to have restless nights and nights nightmares. He said the little girl would call out to him, wanting him to return to her gravesite. This scared him to his core. These nightmares caused him to be so restless that his parents had to send him to a doctor where he was prescribed sleeping pills. To those that knew Anatoly personally, knew that he was a true genius. A graduate of Moscow State University, Anatoly had taught himself to speak and write 12 different languages outside of his native Russian. Anatoly kept an extensive collection of over 60,000 books and documents, all which he had read in his house, as well as a doll collection that dated back decades. Working as a teacher, translator, and journalist, money never really flooded steadily into Anatoly's pockets. And he often found himself taking jobs from other local professionals. He did whatever he could to keep the money coming in steadily. So in 2005, when he was asked by a local colleague, who also happened to be an author, to help him out with some research within Russian cemeteries, Anatoly took him up on his offer. You know, having that fascination with the dead and all, but of course this man didn't know anything about it, or else he would have thought before asking Anatoly for research assistance for his upcoming book. So from 2005 to about 2007, Anatoly strolled through cemetery after cemetery, taking information from headstones, documenting names, birth dates, and death dates for research into the lives of the dead. His days were long, often walking up to 20 miles per day collecting data. And by the end of the day, Anatoly said he would be so tired he couldn't even walk home. So he would sleep on the ground or on top of graves. And in a couple instances, he slept in open graves. One time, he even found a coffin that would be used the next day, empty outside. And so he made himself comfortable for the night. That to me is just crossing so many lines, but I cannot help but wonder if he closed the lid to help keep warm. Oh my gosh, I have chills just thinking about it. That freaks me out so bad. Anatoly would later admit, sleeping on graves off and on for over 20 years. I don't even want to be in a cemetery after dark, let alone sleeping there willingly on and off for 20 years. So, Anatoly was a self-proclaimed expert on cemeteries, having walked through 752 of them in the two years that he collected data. That's a lot of time to collect data for information that would never be published, even though he was told it would be. But, its owner says, regardless of being published or not, the value of the documentation today is priceless. Anatoly had led a very lonely adult life with never having a girlfriend or really friends for that matter. He had taken a personal vow to celibacy, choosing to live his life as a single man at home with his parents. In the early 2000s, Anatoly's life would take a little turn. He ended up meeting a woman by the name of Yulia and the two really enjoyed each other's company. This was something that was so different to Anatoly because he had lived his entire life all alone. And shockingly, this woman had made that same personal vow to celibacy. The two formed a relationship of sorts, one that worked for them and their personal beliefs. This time in his life felt really, really good to him. He had never had a companion before. The two decided that they had wanted to become parents, but because of their personal beliefs, they would have to apply for adoption. Not once, not twice, but over and over again, each time they were denied because of Anatoly's income, which just wasn't sufficient. He didn't have a high paying salary or even checks that came in steadily for that matter. And Anatoly's parents did not believe in this decision of them bringing this child into their home. After all, he wasn't making steady money. He never really had. He'd never lived outside of their home. And a baby and the baby's mother certainly couldn't live in their tiny place because there just wasn't any room. So, Anatoly and Yulia's relationship would begin to deteriorate from there. She just couldn't go on knowing that if she stayed with him, regardless of how much she cared for him, she would never get to experience motherhood. Yulia leaving Anatoly made him feel more lonely than ever. I think before Yulia came into the picture, his feelings of loneliness were just a way of life. He had been feeling this way as far as he could ever remember. But now that he knew what it was like to have someone by his side that he not only cared for, but that cared for him, this left him feeling lonely and that feeling was amplified and it became unbearable. So Anatoly found himself going back to the one thing that made him feel comfortable and less alone in life, and that was visiting cemeteries. He said he just never felt alone there. So in a rash of bad decisions, during a time when anti-Muslim propaganda was on the rise in Russia, Anatoly was caught desecrating the graves of Muslims, painting over photos on their beautiful headstones, and taking things from their gravesites. Anatoly would only be caught after a lengthy undercover investigation into these grave desecrations. Eight police officers would visit Anatoly's home that he shared with his parents in search of evidence against Anatoly for these crimes. The first thing that the officers noticed when they entered into the home was this awful smell that overcame them and the things that they would come across that were extremely unusual in nature, for a middle-aged man anyways. Books on doll making, bizarre-looking handmade dolls in all sizes lying around the home, placed up on shelves, sitting on living room couches, and in the bedrooms. They also found photos of cemeteries, grave sites, photos of open graves, among a million other things that were just thrown around the place. It was an absolute mess. Think hoarders, but smellier. You guys can see pictures on Facebook and Instagram at those murder girls podcast. Also inside the home, they just so happened to come across a pair of boots that belonged to Anatoly that matched footprints at the grave sites of Muslims that had been vandalized, and even some sites where remains had been removed from their final resting place. A quick search of his internet history showed searches for mummifying human remains. Officers already did not feel right inside of Anatoly's home, so their search began to intensify. Something was very off, and you know what? They were going to come to the bottom of it. Police just couldn't ignore the smell in the home. It was off, it was awful, and it was disgusting. Officers were moving all of those dolls around the house, and they noticed that as they would pick them up and move them, music would start playing from inside of them. Weird, they thought. The dolls, again, were not traditional looking. They're not even something you would think that somebody would actually collect. Like, not to be rude, but they were not attractive. The faces of the dolls were covered in bad makeup. Some of them wore masks Some of them had nylon over their faces, others had nylon on their hands, on their legs, and some of them wore very high, knee-high boots, which was pretty out of the ordinary. There was more to these dolls that met the eye, and the authorities knew it, so they began to cut into them to see if the music boxes within held any clues as to what was going on. When they did so, authorities were met with the harsh reality that these so-called dolls were actually human remains remains that Anatoly had robbed from local grave sites, 29 girls in total ranging from the ages of 3 to 12 depending on which source you go with. These dolls are actually I'm going to call them corpses because I feel like referring to them as dolls kind of downplays what he did and that's just not cool. So one of the corpses he called one of his favorite girls and he had placed her in his parents room he would favor her by bringing her out more than the others talking to her more than the others and even bringing her to the table one night to his aunt as she sat to eat dinner. His mother always asked why he spoke to these dolls or corpses the way that he did, and he would just mutter on as if it was normal. His mother said that he spoke to them as if they were children or as if he was a child, which I can't imagine. It was normal for people to come over and visit Anatoly and his parents in their home, and the regular visitors that came in would always refer to the corpses as puppets. They're all thinking that these girls are fake, but I don't know how you can be around them and that smell and just not think that something very wrong is going on. Neighbors even said that they smelt it and they didn't even come inside the home, but they said that there was this strange smell that seemed to be around their home that they just figured was a sewer issue in the building, which I guess was normal in maybe the older buildings in that area. Anatoly had collected 29 girls by robbing them from their graves, cutting holes on the top of their coffin, and pulling the little girls out carefully. By the time he was caught, some of the remains he had had in his home for over 10 years at that point. He had biographies on each of the corpses that he possessed. He claimed that he was just keeping them warm, like what he did was not even serious. It was like he took in a stray dog so it wasn't outside in the cold or unfed. Anatoly said that he felt bad for each of the little girls that had been abandoned by their families, and he didn't want them outside all alone. He felt more comfortable with the little girls inside his house, which was now theirs, where they were warm and safe. According to Anatoly and professionals that have treated him extensively, he never had any sort of attraction to these girls. He treated each of the corpses that he had as if they were his own children. You guys, he would read to them, sing to them, offer them meals every time that he ate. He would celebrate holidays with them. Each of their birthdays was always celebrated. He said that he couldn't wait for the day that science was so advanced that these little girls would be able to be cloned and have a second chance at life. Anatoly had explained that he kept their faces and sometimes hands and legs covered because they began to decay even more so and he know that they didn't feel as pretty as they would want to be. He said that he tried his best to use a concoction of baking soda and salt to stop the decaying process, but that didn't always help. Anatoly said that he specifically chose these 29 girls to unearth, spending time with each of them at their gravesites, speaking to them. And he said that they asked him specifically to take them from their resting place and home with them. He said that he spoke to them and he wanted nothing more than just to give them a comfortable place to stay, which was more than their parents even wanted for them. Like clearly his mind is warped. He said that some of the girls were not among his favorites and those are the girls that he chose to live in the garage. Anatoly's parents vacationed every year April through October like clockwork they were gone and that's why they claimed that they had no idea what was going on other than Anatoly collecting dolls as he always had his entire life. This was one of the reasons Anatoly said that he needed the girls. In the absence of their parents and their family cat who would go on vacation with the parents from April to October, his loneliness was deafening, and so the girls were there to keep him company. They sat there with him while he ate. They watched cartoons with him. They offered him a companionship that he so badly needed. These corpses filled a lonely void deep inside of him. Anatoly's parents said that he had always been a little different, but doll collecting had been his thing for quite some time. Once the severity of the situation was brought to their attention, they both required medical attention, not knowing the severity of the situation that was happening right in front of them. They both just couldn't believe it. So after a stay in a hospital, once they were released, they began to live a life of seclusion, just the two of them together. Anatoly was found unfit to stand trial and so he was released of all criminal liability and sent for treatment at a psychiatric facility where he remains today. His diagnosis is paranoid schizophrenia. All motions for Anatoly in regard to extending his stay within the facility have been granted and the latest was just a few years ago. He petitioned for release in 2016 to marry a woman, a much younger woman, that had actually attended his trial, but that request wasn't granted. And I know what you guys are thinking, who the hell are these women? So, the hospital feels like Anatoly is fit to be released. They think that his years of treatment and rehabilitation have him fit to live free as a civilian. But they should think back to Anatoly's promise of digging each and every girl back up if he was ever released, which is a true statement. This guy cannot be trusted. He will 100% reoffend. He literally said that if he was ever released, he would go back and get each of the little girls. So thank God the release is not up to the hospital. Holy shit. Can you guys imagine? And imagine putting the families back through that again. Like, I can't imagine burying anybody between the ages of three to 12, let alone having to bury them twice, you know? So, Anatoly has positively been linked to these 29 girls and robbing them from their graves, but it's believed that he has unearthed up to 150 human remains, which includes the graves of some of those Muslims whose graves were desecrated. Anatoly is still alive today, living out his days in that institution in Russia. And do you guys think it will ever be up to the hospital to allow him to go free? I guess we'll have to wait and see, but I want to know what you guys think of this case. Hop on today's post for this episode on Facebook or Instagram and let me know what you think. I've read that some people actually feel really bad for this guy, that his depression and loneliness brought him to such a deep and dark place. But drop your thoughts on the post for today. I want to know. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. Please share this episode with one friend. It helps more than you guys could ever know. Supporting the show is literally as easy as that. Until next week, I'm Raina. Thank you so much for joining me today on this disgusting episode of Those Murder Girls Podcast. I'll see you back here on Friday with a brand new episode. Bye guys.